Hello, and welcome to Youth Ministry and Mentorship 101. I'm Eric Jean-Baptiste, and I'll be the host for this podcast. So as we continue to delve into every aspect of youth ministry so that we can better equip our young people to be better disciples for Jesus, I ask that you continue to pay attention, share the podcast to anyone who you believe will be benefited by it. And if you have any questions that you would like to ask a youth leader or a youth expert, I ask that you leave a review, leave a comment, and we'll gladly ask one of your questions on our upcoming podcast. But today, I'm excited to say for this episode, we have Pastor Pedro Perez, one of my unofficial mentors in youth ministry. So sit back, relax, and let's learn more about youth ministry together. All right. Welcome, everyone, to Youth Ministry and Mentorship 101. I'm very excited today because with me, I have Pastor Pedro Perez, the Pathfinder Director for the Florida Conference. So how are you doing today, Pastor? I am feeling good. Thank you very much. That's awesome. Um, I, I know you've been there since at least 2010, 2011. Because, yeah, because your previous post was the Southern New England Conference Youth Director, uh, yes. where, where I was a, uh, I wasn't an area coordinator at the time, I was a assistant director, and um, I, I, could I tell this story real quick, Pastor? Please do. Um, you came to our club for a uniform inspection, and one of, and I told my Pathfinders to always be motivated and loud and proud. And you came up to one of my Pathfinders who had the Pathfinder world patch upside down. And then you said, you said, did you, did you ask them a question about that patch? And he said, yes, sir. And then you asked him, uh, did you know that the patch is upside down though? And then he was like, oh, <laughs> he got real quiet. He didn't know what to say. And I got, and I was really excited too. I said, I said, Everybody, the youth director is inspecting our club. Get ready. So, um, yeah, that was, that, was, that was a cool experience. So It's an easy thing to do. It's easy to have that thing upside down. So, Pastor, could you give us uh, a quick bio about you and why, uh, how you got started into ministry? Sure. So, um, back when I was in academy, I was in my senior year and the religion chair, religious chair came down from Union College from Lincoln and he met with our Bible class. And I remember he came in and he was talking to us about the different uh, things Union College offered. And then he made this statement. He said, for those of you that are thinking about ministry, I'd like to leave you with this thought. And he said, God had one son and he made him a minister. And I was like, what? I thought, man, if God had one son and the one thing he asked him to do was be a minister, wow. that spoke to my heart. And I said, oh my goodness, I think God's calling me to ministry. Wow. And I remember I started teaching Sabbath school. I got actively involved in academy in my last year. And it was kind of, for me, the test to say, is this really in my head or is this something God's really maybe given me a gift for and he could use my life to, to be a blessing to others? 
So I kept that in mind. I went to Union College. I was thinking about two careers, actually, when I got to college. I was still thinking about physical therapy because I love the body and the way it's made and, and God who made the body, right? Yeah. Like it's always fascinated me. So I thought physical therapy and I thought um, religion, theology. Mm. And so I said, God, I'm going to take general chemistry because that's kind of a basic for PT, like you got to know your sciences. And I'm going to take a class called Life Teachings of Jesus, where you go through the four gospels and you try to figure out who Jesus is and was and what he said and what it means. And so I remember chemistry was killing me. I was like, this stuff's crazy. I thought yep. I took chemistry in high school, so I'd get a straight A. Yeah. But after two weeks, everything I learned in high school was history. Like we were learning new stuff. I was like, I'm in trouble. Yeah. So it was fun. But I remember throughout that year, I, God blessed me and gave me an A in chemistry. So it wasn't that I couldn't do yeah. chemistry. And so I was going to fail. But I was like, it doesn't draw out the same passion in me that ministry did. And life teachings opened my eyes to a whole new picture of Jesus. And I was like, whoa, why didn't anybody ever tell me all this stuff about Jesus? Like, how come they've been keeping this stuff a secret? And then it was like, well, it's been there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, like all the stories about Jesus. But it awakened in me a deeper love for Jesus. And then again, in college, I kept getting more involved. I let out again in Sabbath school, let out in campus ministries. And then after two years of college, I felt God opening a door to go be a student missionary, which was another test for me to say, hey, what's that going to be like? came back and got more involved, became, you know, part of the ASB government with the religious vice president and all this stuff. And then it was like, okay, now you're going to have a church. Like you're going to be able to be practicing in a church. And it was just like all this stuff. In the meantime, I had also been working at summer camp and yeah. getting experience there. And I'd been growing there from like a, a counselor in training to a counselor to where I became boys director. And I was like, like the assistant directors, it was like all this stuff was like, man, I would love to do this. I love ministry. I love working with kids. I got involved in the academy while I was in college, became a chaplain at the academy. So all this stuff just kind of confirmed for me that calling that I felt years ago in academy. So I just kept diving in and God opened a door for me to go to Michigan conference where I lived for 10 years. And um, we pastored in a variety of different places. I pastored in Lansing, Michigan as a youth pastor, came back to seminary, pastored in Spanish churches. So I got an opportunity to pastor a Spanish church. From there, I went up to the Upper Peninsula. So I had my own district. I had three wow. churches in the Upper Peninsula. And it was like 115 miles from my door to the three churches and back home. Wow. And so wow. I was like, wow, I'm getting all the experience. From there, they sent me back down to the academy. I taught Bible for two years. And after that, I was like, I don't think I'm called to be a teacher. Like, I respect teachers. Mm -hmm. I appreciate what they do. But an opportunity to be a youth pastor opened up. So I went back down to Berrien Springs, became a yeah. youth pastor. And I was thinking, man, everything I've wanted to do, pastor Spanish churches, pastor my own church district, be a youth pastor. I got to do that twice. And then um, one guy shared some advice with me when I was at summer camp. I said, what advice would you give to a young pastor just starting out? And his mm -hmm. advice shocked me. Because he said, as soon as you get ordained, move to another conference. And wow. I was like, what? What does yeah. that even mean? And he said, usually the conference president who invites you into ministry will always see you as the kid from college that he invited into ministry. Uh, and it'll be tough for him to see you any different. So you're the young kid who's inexperienced, who doesn't know what they're doing, but he's got potential. And yeah. so 
I thought about that. I got ordained in Michigan, stayed around for another four or five years, but then an opportunity came to go to Florida. And so in Florida, I was like, wow, this could be it. Like, and plus we um, were ready for a transition. My wife and I had been talking about that, ready to try something new and felt God was leading us to something new. So they called me to be a family life pastor. And I was like, I don't know what that is. I've never been a family life pastor, but I understand that I'm going to be in charge of everything from children to family. So we went to Florida, became a family life pastor for three years. And then we got a call to New England. And I don't think you know this, and very few people probably in New England know this, but I turned that down four times. Wow. Yeah, I yeah. did not know that. Did not know that. Yeah. The, what happened was the, um, a friend of mine told me, Pedro, there's a, a deal up in New England that you really need to check out. They're looking for a youth director. And I was like, no, I think, I think we need to stay in Florida. So then he talked to somebody else. So somebody else called me and he said, it was Bill Wood, the union youth director. Mm-hmm. Bill Wood said, Pedro, like, you need to come check this out. Like, I think this is a great opportunity for you. It's a great place to start, like the great conference. And, and I was like, no, Bill, I think I'm good. I think we'll stay here. Then Frank Tochterman, the president called me. And wow. I was like, no, actually, I think we're good. Like, I think we'll stay. He called me again. He said, no, Pedro, you really need to come. He came to Florida and he wow. talked to us. And so he's like, you really need to come consider this. Like, you just keep coming on my mind. And I was like, oh, I think we're good. So when he asked the second time, he said, just at least do this. Just come check it out. That's all I'm asking. Just come check it out. And so after that, I talked with my wife and she said, go check it out. Like, if, like if you think God's opening that door, go check it out. So I remember flying into Manchester, New mm-hmm. Hampshire. I remember driving over to the conference office and yep. the whole drive was just like, this is it. Like, I think this is where God's calling us. And then I met with the conference. I met with the leadership. And to me, the funniest thing was in the, the interview, uh, the treasurer at that time asked me a question. He said, so Pedro, um, here in the youth department in Southern New England, like you'll have a million dollar budget. Have you ever run a million dollar budget before? And I was like, I can tell where his question's coming from, right? Like he wants to know what I can do, how I can handle money. And so I answered him straight in the eye. I looked at him and I said, you know what? I've never had a million dollar budget, but I have had a $3,000 budget. Wow. <laughs> and I said, and, uh, and my treasurer was pretty happy with me because I knew how much I had to spend. I knew how much I had to work with for the year and I never went over my budget. So I'm guessing it's the same principle, right? That's you know right. what you have, you can't overspend it, whether it's a $3,000 or a million dollar budget, doesn't matter. It's the same principle. And he was like, okay. So I was like, whew, got out of that one, you know, but that yeah. was fun. I remember that from the interview. And then, so we accepted the call and we went there and man, those were four years of a great journey for us. Uh, it yeah. was incredible. Like God, God gave me a big gift just to have the chance to get into youth ministry, to be a youth director. I felt grateful every day for the opportunity to be there uh, in that role. And not only that, but God gave me an opportunity to work with some awesome people that even when I came to Florida, I would compare people here that I met in Florida to, they're like my person in Southern England. They're like this person. They're like that person. And I'd remember these names and faces that had really helped me learn what it meant to be a youth director. And I transferred that back here. But those five summers at Winnipeg and four years were a blessing. Our kids uh, got to be around some of the best young adults we could recruit for summer camp. 
they got to see different parts of the country. They were blessed by that. Um, Southern New England always will hold a special place in my heart Amen. because of the way people love me and the way people uh, gave me an opportunity and they were willing to work together. And it was a wow. gift. And I, I treasure those years. It really was a foundation. And then after those years there, um, we got a, I heard that there was an opening in Florida. And so yeah. we were like, what does that mean? Like, go back to where we came from? Like, what's that all about? Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, I was actually sitting in the, the office at Southern New England when I got the call from one of the vice presidents in Florida. And they shared with me a dream of where they were trying to take Florida uh, to integrate everything, all the ministries that had anything to do with young people. They wanted to integrate mm -hmm. that into something called Integrated Youth Ministries. And okay. as he talked to me about it, I was like, that sounds really awesome. Like that would be a great opportunity to be a part of what that, what they're trying to accomplish in Florida. And so God put that on my heart and opened that door. And um, it was, it has been quite a journey here. I started wow. in 2010, like you remember, mm -hmm. um, when we got here, we got here on like a Friday and that night they started their leadership convention. And so we went straight to the leadership convention wow. and started meeting everybody and doing all this stuff. We hadn't even moved in yet. We went straight to a hotel and just started meeting the people. But it's been great to, again, find a great group of adults that I get to work with, people that are passionate about club ministry. Uh, when I came to Florida, they asked me to do everything um, from adventures, pathfinders, youth, young adults, campus ministry. And uh, so we did it all. And then after six years, they said, we think that's too much. So we're going to split it up. So in 2016, they moved me to Pathfinders and Adventures. And for the last two years, I've had the privilege to give all of my attention exclusively to club ministries. And okay. so somebody else has come on board to pick up youth, young adult, campus ministry. And yes. so what that's done is it's given me a chance to say, wow, there was a lot that we needed to fix. Like, wow. I didn't see it before, but there's a lot that we need to do to improve and tighten and sharpen. But when you're dealing with everything, it's tough to give something, you know, the attention that it really needs. So for the last two years, it's been a chance to go deeper, okay. to kind of start to see holes that I never saw before. I feel like I have a different bandwidth in terms of I don't feel drained and exhausted. Mm -hmm. And so there's a spark of creativity that's come back and a spark of energy that's come back. So I'm thankful for that. That doesn't mean the transition was easy. Um, because we yeah. spent six years trying to build something and then in the transition things all start to fall apart on the other side and um, I've always felt that there's a need for youth and young adult unfortunately okay. I I got short-circuited on that chance to do that um, okay. so anyway in terms of kind of the history and the the way we've been that's where we are and starting here in 2019 we are the Pathfinder and Adventure Directors here for Florida Conference. All right. Wow. So, Pastor, that was an amazing <laughs> journey that you told us about. And um, you, gave, you gave so many things in that story. You told how you were mentored. Uh, that, that story of that pastor who told you that advice, that who, what the conference that ordains you move. That is something I've never heard. That's, that, this is one of the reasons why I'm having this podcast, to <laughs> learn from pastors and get those little tidbits because that's something I've never heard. Because usually I think uh, young pastors thinking is, this is the conference that ordained me. Now I 
owe them a little bit something. So I should give them something back. But yeah. that advice that the, the, the leadership will look at you in the same light while if you move, they'll look at you in a different light. That's, that's, that's beautiful. And um, you already covered like two of my other questions, which is <laughs> why you love youth ministry. And you, we could hear through that story that you're passionate about it. And um, in the last two years, you're focused on Pathfinder ministry. Um, let me ask you this. What um, do you see a little bit different in the Florida conference in Pathfinder ministry versus what you've seen in, you know, Michigan and Southern New England? Yeah. So in Florida, when I got here, there was a sense of um, accomplishment that I hadn't seen in other places because they had done some things that other places hadn't done. And okay. they had accomplished some things that others hadn't accomplished. And here's what I mean. They had created their own store where they were supplying their own conference needs. Yes. Like I know in New England, we had a little store. Like I remember Carol running back behind her desk to yeah. go grab a patch or something there. But we're talking about a full-blown store, everything that they need to, to uniform their kids for Adventures and Pathfinders, they can find it here from us. Um, the other thing I think that's different is Florida had done a good job of creating a bunch of honors that were Florida honors. And that's both in uh, adventure ministry for awards and patches and for Pathfinder ministry. So there are honors and awards that kids can get that are unique to Florida and other wow. people can get them. But Florida was very intentional about creating a lot of original content and a lot of people in North America uh, would look to Florida to get some of that stuff because it was such good content. And uh, so that's, I think, a good thing. Another thing that Florida did was they were serious about saying, how can we reach out to the upper age kids? So mm -hmm. in Florida, they created two additional class levels that go beyond what traditionally is guide and it's navigator pioneer. Yeah. And so for the pathfinder who wants to keep going and is into classwork, Florida Pathfinder leadership back in the 90s was concerned because they saw kids turning 17, 18 and disappearing from the club. There was no longer class level work for them to do. So they were going away. So they said, that's not good. Like if the kid likes Pathfinders, let's give them structure and create new class levels for them. So yeah. those were some of the things that I think Florida had done uh, to just make a, a difference in terms of saying, we want to contribute in a big way to our kids in Florida and open also to contributing in a bigger way to the division. And I think those are good things. The, the picture some people had of Florida outside of Florida was not as pretty as the people in Florida had as the picture. Mm. So some people yes. outside said Florida's trying to do their own thing. Like mm -hmm. they just want to go their own way. They're renegades, they're rebels. They're doing whatever they want. They don't care about the division. And so as, so what we tried to do was say, how can we capture the positive essence of what Florida has been doing, yeah. maintain that, continue to grow that, and also bring back a sense of Florida is part of the North America division. Like Florida yeah. is a part of a bigger picture. It's not this stepchild or it's not this orphan child. So I've worked with our team to say, hey, we're gonna be division 
a division, a conference that supports the division. And okay. I thank God for the team that's worked with us and we've come aboard. So we've adjusted some things. We switched some things. We came back on board with some things. And I think that's healthy. I think those are yeah. good things. Um, some of my people in New England would tell me, man, they pay their volunteers in Florida. And I was like, what? Mm. And part of it was that they were giving a pretty good package to people who are helping. Like they, wow. they had set up this system. It wasn't necessarily payment, but it was a whole different system than what we had in New England. Wow. And so part of that was, what does that look like? Like, is that sustainable? Can we afford to do that? Like, I totally believe that our coordinators need to be reimbursed for mileage. Like that's, that's to me, that was something that I was like, Hey, you're doing it for us. So we will put aside budget money to be able to support you and at least give you something to cover your gas, your wear and tear on your vehicle. And so what happened was we had to standardize that though, because that was mm -hmm. all over the place. Yeah. And so part of that standardizing that and pulling that together meant we're going to be fair to everybody. Like whether you're at this level, this level, this level, we're going to be fair. So that's been part of the transitioning, but I am very proud of, of the opportunity to be able to play a part in the development of Florida Pathfinder and Adventure Ministry. Yeah. And the team that we have that leads that, their heart is solid. Like they're passionate about club ministry. One of the things we did was try to help Florida come more on board with NAD in terms of mm -hmm. Pathfinders and Adventures are distinct ministries. They're separate ministries. Yes. Uh, some people would call Adventures Pathfinder Adventures. And I was mm. like, um, no. I'm yeah. pretty sure they're just adventurers. Yes. Like, yeah. It's separate. Yeah. And even getting a deeper understanding of adventure ministry being focused actually on the parents and adventure ministry yes. being a family ministry yes. and adventure ministry trying to help the adults learn how to better minister to their kids. Like yes. that's the whole point. And then as kids grow in near and nearer to the teen years and hit the teen years, yeah, there's a, a, a need for independence. There's trying to get away from mom and dad and the yeah. other adults outside of the parents become big in shaping and forming the way that a kid will think about themselves, about church, about God. And so it's important to have the right adults through club ministries to influence those kids to get to a better place in terms of their understanding as they seek independence, which is just part of their natural development. So okay. in that sense, those are some of the things that we've kind of looked at. Now, because of in the last two years, we have some space to breathe a little differently. Mm -hmm. One of the things we've realized is Pathfinder and Adventure Ministry are going really well if you look at it from one angle. Uh, if you look at it from the angle of, hey, clubs are growing, we're getting more clubs, yes. we're getting bigger clubs, yes. like there are more kids involved. Like if you look at it from that angle, pat yourself on the back, like, hey, it's yeah. going great. But we said, wait a minute, I think there's big room for improvement to take us to another place where the success of a club isn't based on simply the success of a club it's based on how integrated they are into the life of the ministry of the church mm. and that it's not just this club independently doing great things going great places accomplishing great things but it's the church taking that journey with them and the kids yes. seeing that they're a part of a church they're not just a part of a club and then the layer up from that is not only are you a part of a local church but you're part of a conference which is part of a union which is part yes. of a division which is part of a worldwide movement and so just seeing that bigger picture, that's one angle. The other angle, when we looked at that angle, we said, uh, maybe we can wow. do better. Like, maybe we can do better. The other yeah. angle that we saw was, we're not doing a good job helping 
pathfinders and adventures integrate into the bigger picture of children youth ministry for the local church so we have kids who when it's pathfinder sabbath they don't show up in youth sabbath school they just practice and get ready we have yeah. um, when they go to the camp outs they don't go to youth sabbath school like they just do their camp outs and so we've got tension between pastors saying hey like they're a part of the church but they're always gone or they're a part of the church yeah. but they're not integrated and involved so one of the things we've launched for 2019 is a training called a new kind of leader. And yes. the idea is we're going to go bigger than just club ministry. And we want club ministry to be a part of the package that a church has to reach young people. Cause every time I go to a Pathfinder Sabbath or adventure Sabbath for a church, I notice that there are kids not in uniform. I noticed mm. that not every kid is in a club. And so what's the church doing for those kids? If it's like a typical church, maybe they have a Sabbath school. Maybe the leader shows up on time or close to on time. Maybe they've prepared a lesson and are actually going to give solid content. But that's a hit and miss. And mm -hmm. so what we're, what we're saying is, what if we could take the platform of club ministries and help our adventure and pathfinder leaders see a bigger picture of how to minister to a kid, wow. not just through club ministry, and help them get integrated through the bigger picture of the church and then we said, shoot, if we do that, but we don't get the pastors on board and we don't get those other leaders on board, then right. the Pathfinder Adventure leaders are going to hit a wall. They're going to get excited about changing yes. things and making it more integrated, but we're going to frustrate them and set them up for failure if mm -hmm. it's not part of a bigger picture. So for a year, we've worked hard to lay the foundation with our leadership team, all our coordinators, all our volunteers. We've worked hard to meet with our pastors to try to talk to them and get them ready so that pastors and elders, church leaders, children's ministries leaders, Pathfinder adventure leaders, all these people that need to be at the table, our, our belief is if we can get the right people in the room and have mm -hmm. the right conversations, then we can start to move the needle in terms of reaching kids holistically and helping integrate what happens at home, what happens at, through the club ministries, what happens at the church, and everybody kind of sees this big picture of where the local church is trying to go to bless kids and minister to kids. And Pathfinders and Adventures is a part of that. It's yes. not the whole of that. So gotcha. that's the part that I think is most exciting as we think about this year. So our goal is to do eight area trainings. Our goal is to do 12 local church trainings. And through that, to impact between 50 and 100 churches with this wow. new way of looking at what it means to be a new kind of leader and what it means to minister to kids in a bigger picture and not just in the limited picture of Pathfinder and Adventure Ministry. Wow. Uh, could you, like, basically, you said hitting around 50 to 100 churches. Could you give us, like, a, a, a estimate of how many Pathfinders you know are within that conference or your conference? Yeah. So we've got about 150, 160 Pathfinder clubs registered okay. with our conference. We've got about 140 Adventure clubs. Wow. We've got about 100, we've got 320 churches in, in the conference. The conference membership is about 65,000. Okay. Um, when I came from New England to Florida for the interview, the then one of the then directors told me we've got about 10,000 wow. pathfinders in Florida. And I was like, 10,000? Like yeah. Southern New England had 12,000 members, right? The whole That's conference. right. That's right. And so I was like, 10,000, there's no way. 
I've learned since that that includes adventures, master guides, pathfinders, all the leadership. So it's a big number, but it's yeah. a big conference. And there are a lot of people involved in club ministries. Um, when we do our numbers based on clubs that register with us and all that, we have close to 3,000 Pathfinder kids and about 1,500, 1,800 Adventure kids. Those are the numbers we get, but we know all our clubs aren't reporting, mm -hmm. uh, but that's kind of where we are on that. Wow. So that's, that's a, a major undertaking and uh, a lot, a lot under, that, that's why I can see why the conference decided to separate those ministries because to have all that pathfinder adventure and all the other aspects of youth ministry young adult ministry camp ministry um there's so many things in youth ministry that it's good to separate that and give you some breathing space <laughs> um and i i have to attest i do remember um being in southern new england and hearing you know Path uh, florida conference is different uh they they have their own store which i believe is pathfindershirts.com um, that's actually a different company. Oh, that's a different. They, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but I do remember the different um, levels. But I would say that was they. Florida was being a pioneer in that because uh, when NAD realized that they created the TLT ministry, which is now everywhere. But Florida was the ones that thought of it first and created two extra um, classes. So that was very good for them. Um, yeah. So basically, you have given us like a little crash course of how much responsibility, how much of an undertaking it is being a youth director, uh, well, a Pathfinder director for a conference, um, creating a new curriculum, which I think is brilliant. I've been following it and I know that that's what we need. That's why I'm starting this podcast as well about mentorship because we need to empower the young people to start the I, I like to call it the circle of training where basically nice. we pass it on and they train and then Pathfinder ministry continues because I've seen even up in Southern New England conference where you have a great director, very on fire for the Lord. And then you have a great club, but then that director moves and then the club goes dissipates and it's because yeah. it wasn't integrated into the church. So that's, yeah. uh, that's a great point that you brought up. Um, yeah. One more question I have about sure. um, being a Pathfinder director. Um, Oshkosh is this year. Yeah. Um, so it's a big, that's a big, big event. And it's a lot of training, a lot of um, preparation. Uh, what is your conference doing that is different from other years in preparation for Oshkosh? Yeah. Um, I don't know that there's a lot different. I did. Um, helped Florida get to Oshkosh in 2014. And so that was nice. Um, it gives me some history. So I feel like it's not the first rodeo, so to speak. And in that sense, I feel good about it. Florida does organize transportation of equipment and gear. And that's something that we did in New England too. Like we rented some big U-Haul trucks and helped clubs get gear out to the, to the camporee. And so we'll do that. The difference is that we'll take two semis like two 53 foot semis will get loaded with Pathfinder gear. We'll buy containers. We call them decontainers. <laughs> Hello. And in those decontainers, they can put all their gear and equipment. So that's what we're doing. We're working on our entrance. We've already designed our shirt, but we're still behind on our pin. I haven't found a design for a pin yet that I like. So we haven't finished that. We haven't finished our entrance yet. 
So I'm still um, working on that, but we have built our team. We're building our team of leaders that will be there. We're starting to assign them different roles. We've created budget. The conference here has been very supportive um, to say here's an additional budget outside of your regular budget to be able to help to move your team uh, to Oshkosh to support the clubs that will be there. Last I checked, Florida had a little over 1,500 uh, Pathfinders registered for Oshkosh. I was hoping we'd get to 3,000, so we'll see if that happens or not. Um, but I know that there's potential to take at least 2,000 uh, Pathfinder people from Florida out there. We will do some um, honors. Uh, Florida has created a state study honor, which we'll do and teach there. And a lot of clubs can use that on the way because many clubs will drive or come through different states and they can do part of the state study honor on their way. And that's a thing that um, we did last time as well. So we're excited about those things. Um, there's not a lot of stuff different that we're doing for 2019, but um, we're excited about the opportunity to be at Oshkosh. Wow, so there, there you go. It's, it's a lot of work, but it's a, a blessing because that's something I know Pathfinders are looking forward to. Um, Absolutely. Could you, um, since this page is about mentorship, could you also tell us um, another piece of advice that a mentor gave you that really was impactful in your life? Yeah, I can. Um, in terms of, of just different ways that people have been a blessing to me, I know that one time I interviewed for a job as a youth director in a conference and I didn't take the job. My wife and I didn't feel like it was the right thing, but the interview was worth it because the conference president took my wife and I out to dinner with he and his wife and this was before I even went to Southern New England. He told me this, he said, Pedro, how do you feel about being a youth director? Like, what, what, what do you think will be the challenges? What are you looking forward to? And I told him, I said, I don't know everything about Pathfinders. Like, I, I don't know at all. Like, I, I feel like I'm familiar with it. Like, I've worked with it. I've been a chaplain in a Pathfinder club. I was a Pathfinder as a kid. But it's not like I if you cut me, I'm not going to bleed triangles, right? Like I said, I know people that if you cut them, they would bleed triangles. They, yes, they, that's me. Diehards. And he made this statement to me. Don told me, he said, Pedro, you don't have to know everything. And I said, what? He said, in fact, you will never know more than everyone that's in your conference. They've been doing it for longer than you have. They'll know more. So all you have to do is know them. Like if you know the people that know more than you, then what you really need to do and what we would ask you to do is to provide leadership. And he said, that's something that they need from you. They need you to provide leadership and help them to become what they could become. In terms of knowing it all, don't let that stop you from becoming a youth director because you'll never know more than the people that you serve. And that was a huge relief for me because that made me say, cool i don't have to know it all like that was a relief for me because it was a chance to say leadership i understand like leadership i can bring like i can help people grow and develop as leaders but the whole part of knowing everything that was a concern for me and he helped alleviate that so when he told me the main focus is give them leadership not know everything i felt relieved and felt ready to jump in and do something Wow. Thank you so much, Pastor. That, that is a great advice for somebody like me who wants to become a youth director actually in the future. So 
Um, so that advice is good. So anybody listening to right now, you don't have to know everything. You'll never know everything. Don't be afraid to do what God has called you to do. Um, yeah. And I, I, my next question was any words of encouragement, but I think that's a pretty good encouraging word right there. You don't have to know everything. Um, if God has called you, you should go forward into that. But could you give any last words to anybody who is um, in youth ministry, who wants to be in youth ministry or are struggling in it? Sure. And I know I'm going to say one other thing, too. The, the person who was the principal when I was in academy was a former pastor. But he had also been a former camp ranger. He had also done other things. He said, Pedro, no one could have ever made me believe that I would be a principal one day. But he said God had given him opportunities to pastor churches, to work at a camp, to be a camp director. And he said, now God's opened a door for me to be a principal. And he said, the one thing that I would tell you, because I had already told him I was thinking about ministry when I was finishing academy. He said, the one thing I can tell you is to just be open to whatever God has for you. And God might open a door for you to be a pastor, youth director, like just trust that God knows your heart and he knows what you want to do and he'll do it. And I've seen that over and over and I've reflected back on his advice over and over. So in terms of like what advice would I give to anyone who's looking to be in youth ministry, I would say God knows what he's doing. And I think the best advice I could give is get involved in the life and in the heart of what ministry is, whether it's in the local church, whether it's helping with the conference, like cream always rises to the top. And if you're involved in all these ministries and you have a chance to, to be exposed to things, people talk. Like that's another thing you learn in ministry is that people talk and you hope they talk good things. You hear the bad things sometimes, but as people talk, one of the things is they'll say, man, have you seen Eric? Have you seen what he's doing with this? Have you seen? And so then when they come to this thing that your name gets on their mind and God uses those kind of things, I don't think that it's uh, about us trying to jockey for positions or trying to, to, you know, make people notice us. But I think some of my friends in college, they didn't get involved in the campus. They really didn't take their church assignment seriously. And so when it came time for the conference presidents to come interview kids, it was like, who are they going to look for? Like when they talk to the religious professors, they're going to say, who's doing a good job? Who's involved on campus? Who's taking their church role? Like who, who are your top students? And those are the students that are going to get talked to and get offered jobs. And so take time to get involved. Like if you want to be in this line of, of work professionally, then continue to invest and continue to put your time there. And if God opens the door, great, but don't do it. So he opens the door, but do it so that if, God opens the door, then that's what's your future. Then he'll open that and it'll make sense. Thank you so much, Pastor. I can tell by your dedication and um, that um, you are truly a man of God. You are one of the mentors I look to, even though it's unofficially, I still look towards you. Um, when you went to the LTC last year for Southern New England Conference, I would just stand outside the door and listen. And anyone who is listening right now, if Pastor Pedro comes to your leadership convention and he has a seminar. You need to be a part of it because this man really is dedicated to youth ministry. He knows this stuff. God is using him. And that advice that he gave is so beautiful. Basically, you're in youth ministry to serve the young people. And 
that's why we're here. So and God will take care of the rest. Thank you so much, Pastor. So um, I thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for um, giving your time up for it. Um, so everyone who is listening, if you enjoyed this, please share, uh, pass the word along. And so we can learn more about youth ministry together we're right here at Youth Ministry and Mentorship 101, where we always say youth ministry is not a stepping stone into ministry. Youth ministry is ministry period.